And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here. And Dr. Hans Vogt. Thanks for having me. Well, gentlemen, it's nice to have you in the studio today here on a Saturday. You know, I think it was like three weeks ago, we were talking about the 150th anniversary of the beginning of the Civil War or some like to call it the War Between the States. Or some would call it the War of Northern Aggression. Oh, here we go. <laughs> the War of the Rebellion. We're, we're, <laughs> and and um, we find all expressions uh, in, in documentation, and depending on whether you're a Northern or a Southerner, uh, but I don't want to go there. But um, three weeks ago, we talked a little bit about uh, the slavery that was taking place during that time frame, and we even touched on the notion of and I think, Hans, you brought it up towards the end, how that so often it is that we will justify uh, what is evil, what is wrong, and bring Scripture verses to bear to justify what we're doing. Now, um, we also touched on the American national sin of abortion, of allowing the murder of the innocents. And uh, I would like to throw this out right away, and uh, maybe you guys could talk about it. Um, I, I see that as even more serious. You know, we talked about some of the atrocities that would happen to the slaves, and and um, yet, is not abortion even worse? If you're talking <laughs> in, just in terms of numbers uh, right now, we What's it at? Over 50 million mm-hmm. right. in this country alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of the atrocity. But again, in both cases, one of the key issues is the failure to see the imago dei in in the individual. Now, there's that term again. I've yes. heard you guys mention it before. Um, inform some of us who don't have the Greek or Latin or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's the image of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes a human being a human being. Uh, the image of God, mm-hmm. and and that's very important. And the distortions of slavery would have never occurred if there had been a, a proper understanding mm-hmm. of the image of God in those who were enslaved. And, and again, if you look at uh, the unborn children as being in the image of God, you, you cannot abort them. Mm-hmm. Some have said that that's the most dangerous place to be right now in America, is in a mother's womb. It is. and In fact, uh, uh, Centers for Disease Control just um, a couple of weeks ago released the the truly startling uh, statistic that it is the number one cause of death among African Americans. Abortion. It's just shocking. I know you mentioned that a few weeks ago, and it's just shocking to hear that. Um, So, um, Civil War... Um, slavery was certainly there. Let's talk a little bit about the concept of states' rights. Um, that argument seems to be surfacing even in our own day from time to time. Um, I'm thinking of um, an immigration law in Arizona or maybe some state standing up to the federal government saying, uh, we don't want your health care program. Um, help me a little bit on this subject of states' rights. Yeah, I, I mean, th- this was one of the, the great tragedies of the Civil War, is that uh, states' rights have been trashed. 
and and in, in a sense, the Constitution has been trashed <laughs> with with that. Boy, he's I, biased, isn't he? Well, I am. I, you know, I, I look at <laughs> I look at the Constitution, and a lot of these states, as much as as I hate the slavery that they had in there, mm-hmm. yes. many of these states had every right to leave under our Constitution. Now, let's pause there just a minute because I think Hans, you have a different point of view there. Well, I think there's a, a, a fair argument to be made, uh, and, and Southern, Southerners certainly made it at the time, um, for secession. I, I think there's a fair argument to be made on the other side, which Northerners did. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, what, what were the two arguments in summary? Well, basically, on the Southern side, the argument is that the states were the parties to the social contract, to the Constitution. Um, and that, therefore, as the parties to the contract, if the Constitution was not being carried out or upheld, um, then they had the right to mm-hmm. leave it and form a new one. Um, the northern argument on the other side is that the Constitution, once it was ratified, created a national sovereign government. Um, and the Constitution itself says it's the supreme law of the land. Nothing in the state constitutions, to the contrary, was standing. Mm-hmm. The supremacy clause of the Constitution. So, and and that's an argument they would had over seventy years back and forth yeah. <laughs> be, uh, between 1787 and 1860. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I agree with um, Mark that that one of the sad parts uh, of all this is that um, legitimate arguments about the Tenth Amendment and the reserved powers of the states become associated with this cause of, of slavery in the Civil War. Right. Um, and therefore, it becomes very difficult to make those arguments today without dragging in all the baggage of slavery and racism that well, they well, got we, saddled we, down with. We, we can blame Lincoln for that in the Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> I mean, even, even the Illinois legislature, after... He issued that. They issued a statement with great displeasure that he had, uh, how should I say, enacted the the Emancipation Proclamation. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they said it blurred the reason for the Civil War, which they said was not slavery. The reason for the Civil War was to maintain the Union. Hmm. Right. One of the ironies here is that um, the South made it clear. If you look at uh, four of the states... South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, and Texas actually issued declarations to accompany their ordinances of secession, basically along the lines of the Declaration of Independence, stating here are the reasons why we're Mm -hmm. doing this. Uh, And in each case, they lay out the argument for states' rights. And then when they get to the part of, well, why do we feel the Constitution is threatened, then they they clearly lay out it's about slavery and that northern states are not honoring the Fugitive Slave Clause of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. They're not returning our escaped slaves. uh, And we think there's a plot now to do away with slavery altogether, Mm -hmm. and therefore we're going to break away. Um, What's kind of interesting in that is that the personal liberty laws they refer to, the laws northern states passed that allowed an escaped slave to become free once they reached, say, Massachusetts, in a sense, northern states were nullifying the federal fugitive slave law. Uh, they were, in their own way, exercising states' rights, um, right. but yes. not in a way, of course, that southerners or yes. southern slave owners appreciated. Well, this thing is states' rights. I'm keen on it. <laughs> um, I, I feel that um, our privileges, our freedoms, 
are in danger every day, and they're being chipped away. Um, I'm going to mention something that's probably going to get everybody mad at me. Um, so I don't mean this. I don't mean to get you mad, dear listener. Yeah. But um, we have some things in our in our society that we've grown to love and adore and be very comfortable with, and that's Social Security. I know when I was a new engineer at IBM, years ago now, um, wow, a large amount of my money got taken away from me. Oh, well, that was Social Security. But I want to opt out. Oh, no, you're not allowed to opt out. You have to pay it. Now that I'm older, I find out it supposedly was a trust fund, so-called, and now there's no money left there. Or what about uh, Medicare and Medicaid? Mm. Oh, yeah, I know that um, seniors absolutely have to have this. But had it not been created, um, other forms of care, charity, churches, Christian organizations would have come to help, and I know they would have. Um, I am concerned that we have grown too comfortable with something, frankly, we can't afford that's killing us economically and therefore causing us to become slaves to our own system. Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Now, now that I've totally upset you, can we, uh, with cool heads, discuss that just a little bit? Yeah, I think one of the problems that we've had is we've got a federal government that has become overbearing. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's the problem. And I think our founding fathers were very concerned about that. That's why uh, we had the Bill of Rights, because uh, all the states would not have ratified it, because they're afraid mm-hmm. of the government being too big and too large uh, for that. And so when we hit the Civil War, again, they were looking and they were saying the federal government is usurping its authority in areas, and we're going to back mm-hmm. out. And before you do too many uh, Facebook postings, I, I do want to say that I'm not advocating uh, cutting these programs off at the knees, but I do think we have to look at them and ideally find a way to wean ourselves off of them. And with that, we got to take a short break. <laughs> Stay with us. You're listening to A Plain Answer right here on Redeemer Broadcasting. We'll be right back. Sir, would you help me up, please? Sir, could you tell me what your name is? Who you are? I would like to speak to General Hancock. Do you know where General Hancock may be found? I'm sorry, sir. The general's down. He's been hit. No. Not... Both of us, not all of us, please, God. Sir, so we're having a surgeon come as quickly as we can. Can you hear me, son? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Will you tell General Hancock that General Armistead sends his regrets? Will you tell him how very sorry I am? I will tell him, sir. I will tell him. (sighs) 
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt. We had been talking about the Civil War. Three weeks ago was the 150th anniversary of the beginning of that uh, terrible war. And today we extended the discussion, and we're talking a little bit about states' rights And I just got done uh, dropping a bombshell (laughs) regarding Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Now, let me quickly say that um, the uh, retirees absolutely depend on their Social Security, and most absolutely depend on their Medicare and some Medicaid. So um, I'm not advocating ripping these uh, structures out, but... I do think we got a problem on our hands. Can we talk about that a little bit? And in light of the lessons learned from the Civil War era, um, talk about what would constitute a fix without us going into a second Civil War. One of the things in the 19th century, uh, what what grew up in this nation and actually had been even in the uh, 18th century, was that the churches were highly involved in, in a lot of charitable organizations when they saw a problem. Yes. They got in and they dealt with it. And that was a great way to to do it because when you're on the ground and, and you're in the problem, you see all the areas of the problem, not just the poverty, but maybe what causes the poverty. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the things that cause the poverty are, are the individual themselves. You, you know what? You just reminded me of something. Uh, having served in the church for a number of years, one of the worst worst situations you get into is how to help a person. And um, usually you don't help them by giving them money. Exactly right. I was working. That uh, was so clear, and it came to us elders and deacons, whatnot. Yeah. I was working uh, at a retreat center, but we were owned by a rescue mission. Uh, This was back in the 80s, and it was rather interesting because at the time the press was filled with homelessness. Mm-hmm. So why is there so many homeless people? We need to do stuff. Well, the rescue mission dealt with the homeless people. 
The problem was the rescue mission was half empty. Mm-hmm. If there were so many homeless people, why wasn't the rescue mission full? Interesting. Well, it was because the government was throwing money at these mm-hmm. people. And they were glad to take the money and, and go and use it on drugs and, and on alcohol. Whereas with the rescue mission, what happens? If they came into the rescue mission, some of these destructive habits that were killing these people, they had to deal with them. You and if they work didn't, through them. Yeah. Yes. And, sure. and, and so that's why it was mm-hmm. half empty, because they could survive, if you will, without having to deal with the issues of the problem. Now, you may wonder why I, I had us jump to this, this whole thing, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. But seriously, I see these as ungodly cultural dependencies. And we had been talking about the Civil War, and that's how I would categorize slavery in the South, as an ungodly cultural dependency. Totally. And if you were to just take it away quickly, it's like pulling the rug out from under these Southern people. Couldn't we have um, solved this in more godly ways and not have gone to war. And I think we could have. And so that got me thinking about what about our current day ungodly cultural dependencies? And that's how we got into this. Yeah, I think you're right. We have to to deal with it. And I think one of the ways we always do it lawfully, of course, one of the other uh, things that we've had, we spoke about abortion. And let me just say this, you know, there was no one more anti-abortion than I am. Mm Mm-hmm. But I was totally appalled and offended by these individuals that went out and murdered yes. abortionists. So am I. You know, and I did not applaud them, and I did mm-hmm. not cheer for them. And they were taking a life unlawfully. And so that's one of the things that we have to do. We have to do it yes. gradually. I think if you look back at the Civil War... I think a lot of the abolitionists were responsible for the Civil War and for a lot of deaths because of their intemperance. Mm-hmm. Um, slavery was horrible, yes, but to applaud and to cheer somebody like John Brown and his murders? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. Right. Yeah, again, when, when we allow political debate to get out of hand um, and spill over into violence... Um, you know that's not debate anymore. Uh, you know uh, when when you know debate is when we're exchanging uh, yeah. ideas and we're trying to to use reason and logic to convince the other person of what we believe to be true. Yes. But the minute I swing my fist, I've stopped trying to convince you. Very uh, true. And, and uh, you know we you certainly see that with the Civil War. I think you see that with a lot of the debates today. Yeah. Um, where we just you know you get on television and you scream at each other. But there's no serious attempt to solve the underlying yeah. issue. You yeah. know what aggravates me is sometimes I watch a particular news channel and they talk over top of each other. They yeah. they don't even have a serious exchange because they're interrupting each other for the whole broadcast. Yeah, we go on sound bites. That's the problem, right? You know, yes. while the people are concerned. Oh, and about. that reminds me, gentlemen. This is just off the cuff. Three weeks ago, when I was reading a little bit about the war between the states, <laughs> and the players involved. Um, and I read through the inaugural address of President Lincoln, and um, I realized how far we have slipped in terms of our use of the English language and the structure of thoughts. They were slower, more complicated thoughts. They didn't have as many sound bites as you put it, Mark. 
I think we're losing our ability for serious dialogue. I think we're losing our ability to do serious reading, mm. research, engaging of ideas. I am very concerned for our culture. Amen, brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I see it as a certainly as a as a teacher, as a college professor. You um, must. You know, if you look at the Lincoln Douglas debates, for example, eighteen fifty eight. So here's the format of the Lincoln Douglas debates. They alternated who went first, but the person who went first would speak for an hour and a half. Then the second person would speak for two hours, and then the wow. first person would have a half hour rebuttal. Wow. Now, think about a modern presidential debate on TV where the first guy speaks for a minute and a half, second person for two minutes. Yeah. Y- you cannot make a reasoned, logical argument about anything in no, two you minutes. Can't. No, it um, reminds me of the scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. Yeah. yeah. Now, I see we're getting already close on time. We've got a few minutes yet. Um, we have some structures in our culture in America, modern-day America, that I've told you over this program, I think they're ungodly. I think they're cultural dependencies that we've gotten used to that are actually bankrupting us. We can't afford them, and we got to fix it. Maybe I'm wrong, but let's just suppose, for the sake of argument, I'm right. Let's just take Social Security. Um, what could we do with that program to lead us in a more godly direction over the course of, let's say, the next 20 years? I think one of the things we could do is to look at um, recipients, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I think there's a, a point to be made for a safety net for the truly needy. Yes. Um, but I think many who receive Social Security really don't need it. Um, and certainly we could greatly reduce the um, scope and the cost of the of the program if we limited it to people who were in, in absolute poverty who mm-hmm. absolutely needed um, some okay. kind of assistance. Um, what about extracting wealth from those who are working trying to make a living, and yet um, then rerouting it to those in need um, without their will. Is that correct? Is that right to do? You know, one of the things that I always looked at is, you know, the biblical uh, mandate in the Old Testament was for the people to give a tithe. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, our government's today looking for a whole lot more than a tithe. Well, that's and an interesting it, point. It, which, which would indicate to me that there's something amiss and awry, not with uh, the Scriptures, but something mm-hmm. amiss and awry with our, our government. That's an interesting point, and, and you made me think about something, too. Wasn't it the case in the Old Testament how that when you gleaned your field, mm-hmm. you would leave a little extra? That's right. That's, That's right. an interesting concept, isn't it? That means that the person who was in need, who was hungry, didn't have land, didn't have much of anything, but needed a, needed a meal, could go out there and work... Right. Collect his food and eat. Yeah, that's and an it, interesting principle. In, in one, of, especially you know, in, in a Christian society, um, it has been the Christians who have been the biggest uh, philanthropists and that is givers. So true, and they're the ones that want to to reach out and, yeah. and touch people. Well, we don't have a lot of solutions today in this program, and uh, we welcome uh, your questions and your comments. Just email them to ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Now, we got into this discussion today by extension from slavery. Um, 
years ago, there was this ungodly cultural dependency, particularly in the South, mm-hmm. um, because of that economy being based in cotton, etc., where you needed this so-called, quote-unquote, needed the slave labor. Uh, today, we have tremendous dependencies. Maybe we don't want to admit them, um, but these dependencies are mm-hmm. causing us to have financial slavery. And um, we've talked a little bit about Social Security. Um, But the principle here is when there is a problem, how do you deal with the problem? And for the wrap-up thoughts, I'm going to look to uh, Hans today. When you have a problem, it's, it's a dependency in society. You identify the problem. What are some guidelines on how to deal with that problem that maybe lessons learned from the Civil War? Well, I think, first of all, you want to begin, uh, as Christians, with the Scripture uh, and, and look for those mm. biblical principles that, that directly relate to the issue at, at hand, you know, whether that issue is slavery. whether And now, again, not from the standpoint of figuring out what I want to do and then looking for proof texts, but beginning with Scripture. Yes. And looking for those for those biblical principles first, right, right, and then seeing how do how do we apply these in in our society, um, oh. and then of course in 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 the way we approach it, as we said, we approach it from a standpoint of speaking the truth in love. Amen. Sometimes you'll trip across a scripture verse and you'll look at it and you say, "Oh, that that says something different than what I believe," and you step back and say, "What?" Wait a minute. It's it is. It's saying something different than what I believe. I, I had that happen to me, and growing up, I still do from time to time. Where the scripture speaks something, I realize, wait a minute, my life doesn't measure up to that. Or this speaks about God and how He works in our salvation, and I didn't realize that that it worked this way. And sometimes you have to make adjustments, don't you? I see we're out of time already for this edition of a plain answer. Again, we welcome your comments and questions. Our address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. Joining me in the studio today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. Hans Vogt. I want to thank you fellows for joining me, and uh, please tune in next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 